At this time, let's turn our Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6. This is the final um, sermon that is going to be from Luke's rendition on the Sermon on the Mount. And we'll start reading at verse 46. But in order to give honor to God's word, because it is holy and infallible, it is the only authority by which we may live and know how to please him, let's stand to give honor to God by standing to hear his word as we read it together. Luke 6, starting at verse 46. Hear the word of the Lord. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it because it was or it had been well built. But the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly is like a man who built a house on the ground without any foundation, and the torrent burst against it, and immediately it collapsed, and the ruin of that house was great. Let's pray together. We thank you, our triune God, for giving us this, your holy word. And as we we listen, we pray that you would mold and make us into a temple well built and fitted together and pleasing in your sight. Help us, we pray, to build our lives upon the foundation of Jesus Christ our Lord as the cornerstone and upon the prophets and apostles of old. For we ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. We've never spent the night in Cape May, New Jersey, but we did have a, a day trip once when we were taking a little vacation day to Cape May, New Jersey, and there was a beautiful little quaint town and a beautiful little quaint lighthouse, and we walked all the way to the top, up the steps to this lighthouse, and there was a, some information and pictures of the town of Cape May, New Jersey. And they had a map there that showed the town and they had a portion of the map that was shaded. And I, I can't remember what it, if it was shaded in red or not, but I looked at an online map just last night, and one of the maps that looks very similar to the one I've seen has an area shaded in red. And the reason it's shaded in red is, is because it's no longer there. There was a town, or they would call it in New Jersey, a borough of South Cape May at one time. And now it's no longer called a borough, it's called a meadow of South Cape May. What happened in the 1920s, starting in the 1920s, someone started building little cottages in South Cape May. They built 50 little cottages after a Spanish style, and they used Spanish tile roofing roofing and all that. And uh, there was even some pictures of homes that were built that were two- and three-story Victorian-style homes. Uh, one home, or I guess it might have been a hotel, was, uh, I think, five stories, and it had a beautiful wraparound porch. Well, what happened in 1936, there was a storm that came in. 
And then in 1944, there was a hurricane. And then by the time that little town endured a final storm in 1950, all of those homes were washed away into the sea. Not just a house, a whole neighborhood, a whole township or borough, they would call it in New Jersey. If you, if you Google it, uh, South Cape May, you might even see a, a picture of a beautiful two-story um, Victorian house with a little, a little steeple on it at the top falling into the ocean. Now, what was once called the town of Cape May is a, a conservatory for birds. It's called Cape May Meadows. So the story is this, or the motto of the story is this, if you build your house upon the sand, it's for the birds. And that's what happened. It became a home for the birds. Our text this morning is a conclusion of a magnificent sermon of the Lord Jesus Christ called the Sermon on the Mount. This is an abbreviated version. The longer version is found in Matthew's Gospel, but Luke here has an abbreviated version here. And this conclusion in verses 46 to the end of the chapter should make you pay attention to what you just read and maybe even want to go back and read it again. Because I I find that this conclusion makes you want to go back and say, yes, I want to hear the words of Jesus again to make sure that I heed the very words of Jesus. Here in this text, what we notice is that Christ is giving us a glimpse, a future picture of what our life would be like, depending or not, whether or not we build our life upon the foundation that is right and holy and good. So as we look at today's text, the main focus is that you are to build your life upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ and his holy word. You are to build upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ and his holy word. And we'll look at that in two main points. Life on a solid foundation and your life without a foundation. Let's look at this first main point. Your life on a solid foundation. Jesus starts off this conclusion with a challenge. Not to be merely a spectator, Christian. Look at verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? A spectator is someone who likes to watch sports. They watch sports on TV. Maybe they listen to it on the radio. Maybe they get it on the internet or whatever means maybe they go in person and they sit in they sit in the bleachers and they watch the sports but they're spectators Jesus doesn't want us to be like that Jesus says that if you profess him he wants you to be an active participant to live in the way that he says don't just have be a fan of the Lord Jesus calling after him as lord lord but do exactly what he says. Try to seek to be active in obeying his word. Jesus goes on to explain what that looks like. What does it mean to live and do what Jesus says? Verse 47, he describes here those who have a solid foundation. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them. 
So that's a description of someone who has a solid foundation. You might not have thought of it as three parts, but there's, there's kind of three parts to this foundation here. You must first come to Jesus. You must f- first come to Jesus and receive him by faith as Lord and Savior. John six thirty seven says, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. Without faith in Christ, you will perish. So after you come to Jesus, what, what do you do after you come to Jesus? With, say, with faith, expressing faith in Jesus. Secondly, you must hear his word. Hear the word of Jesus as the revelation of Holy Scripture. Now, I've met some people who have taken vor- verse 47 to an extreme. Here's what I mean. Uh, Jesus says, everyone who hears my words and acts on them. So they take this position that only the words of Jesus and found in the Gospels and the Gospel accounts, maybe the book of Acts, can be trusted. And for some reason, they don't like Paul and James and some of these other epistle writers, so they only adopt portions of the New Testament. I know you might say that seems peculiar, but there are people like this who deny the authority of Holy Scripture in many portions. Well, 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 says this, that all Scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. That passage is speaking not just of the Gospels, not just of the, of the Acts of the Apostles. That's speaking of all 66 books of the Bible, Old and New Testament. So when Jesus says to listen to his word and to obey his word, I believe Jesus would want us to obey all of the revelation that came through the eternal word made flesh. Westminster Shorter Catechism 89 says this, The Spirit of God maketh the reading, but especially the preaching of the word an effectual means of convincing and converting sinners and of building them up in holiness and comfort through faith unto salvation. There's benefit in reading your word. There's benefit in studying your Bible, but there's great benefit, especially in hearing the word preached. Take advantage of that opportunity as much as you can. And uh, remember, we have preaching morning and evening in this church. Pray for a greater thirst for God's word. Pray for a greater thirst for God's word preached. Pray for spiritual ears to hear, that you would hear his word and that it would bear forth much fruit. Um, Jesus said that you must also not just be a hearer, but a doer of the word. Do what he says. And James says the same thing. Keep your place in Luke's gospel, but turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Starting in verse 22, James says, Prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. 
For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and has gone away, he immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become forgetful, a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. And again, he goes on to say, If anyone thinks himself to be religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. I know James here is mentioning the tongue. But what about other matters? Bridling one's sexuality. Bridling one's covetousness. Bridling one's desire to take and to, to have what is not theirs. There's many other ways that we, who are called Christians, ought to bridle ourselves rather than let sin run rampant. So if you have this multiple layered foundation of receiving Christ by saving faith, by hearing his word, and by seeking to do his word, acting on his word, he tells you what you will be like. Look at verses 47 through 48. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock And when the flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. In other words, he's saying here that your life will be like a stout, steadfast brick house set upon a bedrock foundation. There's mention here of digging deep to lay a foundation on a rock should remind us of something called bedrock. In some parts of the world... You wouldn't just dig, you wouldn't just build right on the, on the topsoil. You would dig away the topsoil. You would dig away the sand, the gravel, and you would f- try to find some bedrock upon which to lay a deep foundation. And you would build the house up, and then your house would be having that foundation that was, you could say, rock solid. Now, in Cape May, New Jersey, those 50 plus houses that were built upon a sandy beach shore, my guess is that if they dug deep, let's say six or seven feet, I'm pretty sure they didn't find bedrock. And if you can't find bedrock, I think you should build somewhere else. And that's the moral of that story. Um, on, a, on a contrary note, there is a place, uh, I was looking up some of the oldest um, still inhabitable homes in the world, and uh, there's a town called Matera, M-A-T-E-R-A, Matera, Italy, in South Italy. And the whole town is built upon a hilly, mountainous-like terrain. And they basically cut into the rock for the whole town to be laid down. Well, it doesn't hurt that almost every home in Matera is built out of stone, built on stone, built out of stone. And some in that town claim that their ancestors have lived in the same homes, not just for hundreds of years, but thousands of years. Uh, it, I, I know, I, I, I can't imagine the same family or the same lineage of people living in a home for thousands of years. But that's the claim. What God is telling you 
in today's text, this morning's text, is that you ought to seek to build your house upon a steady foundation with a castle-like steadfast home that will stand in the day of storms. He says that when the floods came, the torrents burst against that house. It could not shake it because it had been well built. Pray that your, your life would be steadfast and immovable like these very strong homes in Matera, Italy. So you sometimes may not know how you will tolerate the difficulties and trials until they come. You might not know how you're going to tolerate the storms and trials and tribulations of this life until they do come. And believe me, brothers and sisters, trials and testing do do come in this life. But you should be aware that when these challenges come, what is your foundation? Where is it founded? Build, and if you have not built upon such a foundation, seek to renovate your home, namely your life, and build it on that proper foundation. Next, we see in today's text, there's a warning, a woe to those who do not build with a proper foundation. And let's look at that next. The second point is your life without a foundation. Verse 49. But the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly is like a man who built a house on the ground without any foundation. And the torrent burst against it, and immediately it collapsed. And of the, the ruin of that house was great. Now, I, I believe what Jesus is talking about is there's a collapse or ruin that can happen both in this life and in the life to come. Now, there are some who have not heard the word of God, or they have not heard a clear teaching on the on the gospel, and that is why you could say they have no foundation because they have not heard. But Paul gives a resolution for that. Look at, at Romans 10, Acts, and then Romans. Romans 10, starting at verse 9. Paul says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. So, The first step to avoiding this disaster is to hearing that word. And for some in this community, they need to sit under preaching. 
and preachers need to be sent. And there are lands in the United States and even here in Louisiana who have no sound preaching within that whole region even. But I believe a larger problem, not only in our state of Louisiana, but also in our nation and throughout the world, is that what's described here in verse 49. There's many a person in America that can be described as the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly. They've heard that Jesus came to save sinners, yet they've rejected him as Savior. They rejected his blood and righteousness and forgiveness. They oftentimes have placed themselves as their own highest authority. And frankly, the reason many do not want to go to church and worship God is because they are themselves their greatest object of worship. It's, you can ask them, what's most important in your life? Me, mine, I, me, 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 I, I, I. Ultimately, upon the throne of their heart sits themselves and not God. And that's why they practice what we would call self-idolatry. I believe that self-worship is the greatest form of idolatry in the United States today. Oftentimes, they hear the commandments of God. They know the commandments of God, but they don't care to live accordingly. They want to be living as married couples, having intimate relations, living in the same home, shacking up, and not be married. And they know very well what God's Word says. And what's, what's kind of strange is sometimes, sometimes you meet people who go to uh, evangelical churches who are doing this very thing, and the church seems to be fine with it. They don't do what Christ has said. In this life, calamity can come upon you if you do not act accordingly to God's word. Among other things, this can lead to calamity in your marriage, failed marriages, um, family breakups, addictions, mental breakdowns, loss of work, loss of one's home, jail time, loss of freedom. There's many other examples of collapse and ruin that can happen when we do not hear and obey the word of Christ. Verse 49 says that collapse or that ruin is great. For those people, such a collapse or ruin might be more than just a setback. It's a life-altering event. It's a total catastrophe. But the good news of the gospel is that even if he causes you to reach rock bottom, you can always lay a new foundation and rebuild. God is in the renovation business. He can take your life that is broken and messed up, and if you submit, he can help you by his word and spirit to lay a new foundation and to build upon it so that your life may stand in the trials in the storms of this life. But the greatest tragedy of all is for those who reject the word and reject God and reject to do what he says 
and die in sin and unbelief. If you turn, if you don't turn from your sin and you die in utter sin and unbelief, there is no redemption. If you have rejected Christ and you pass from this life and you you die rejecting Christ, there is no longer any hope for you whatsoever. There's no more opportunity for renovation, for starting anew, for leveling out the home and building a new foundation. For that, it's too late. It's far too late. It will be total, utter, utter ruin. It will be a final ruin. Scripture says there's no place for a doctrine of what we call, some call purgatory, where you have a second chance to burn away lots of sins for thousands of years and then somehow make it into heaven after, after that second chance, that long, long-suffering second chance. But it's an it's a imagination, it's a doctrine of men. Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes the judgment. Not after thousands of years, not after some purgatory. It's appointed for man to die once, and after that comes the judgment. So according to today's text, how will you live? It is only through the redeeming work of Jesus Christ that you may be spared the great ruin of an eternity in hell. Paul spoke of the church as a glorious building being fitted together and made together with living stones and growing up into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together, Ephesians 2, 21 and following. But this glorious building project through living stones is only possible if it's built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone. That must be your foundation. All other foundations are false foundations or no foundations at at all. They're just merely sinking sand. Brothers and sisters, you are to build on the solid rock of Jesus Christ and his word. He has given you a glimpse of what life will be like if you don't. He has given you a glimpse of what life will be like if you do. If you build upon Christ and his word as your solid foundation, you do what he says, you live according to his word, you will withstand the storms and the floods, the trials and tribulations of this life. You will stand. But without a foundation, the storms and the floods of this life will wash you away. And it's not just a little ruin. It's a great cataclysmic ruin. God forbid that you have a collapse in this life. But if you do, ask God for grace to rebuild. And pray that that you would have a sincere saving faith. And that your life would not be one as having the cataclysmic collapse leading to utter, final, eternal destruction. Embrace Jesus Christ as he's offered in the gospel and you will stand on that great day holy and blameless before our triune God. 
Let's pray together. Oh, Father, we, we do confess that so often we have built on faulty foundations. Help us, we pray, to receive Christ as he's offered to us in the gospel, to hear his word with sincere faith, and to do what he says, to act accordingly to his word. Help us, we pray, to not be merely hearers, but doers of your holy word. We pray that you would help us to be those built upon this wonderful foundation, knit together with the body of believers in love, and that on that great day of judgment especially, that we would stand in your sight, and that we would be counted holy and blameless. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. For our hymn of dedication, let's turn to 452. We'll stand and sing, Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me. Let's stand and sing, 452.